we're in the middle of a sermon series on core values, okay, core values. So if you haven't been around the last few weeks, core values, that's just what it sounds like. It's those things that at the core of heritage, those are the things that we value, okay. Um, Six and a half years ago, when God called us to plant heritage, we sat down around the dining room table and began to think, what are those things that are going to set us apart? What are those things that are going to be non-negotiable, the things that we believe um, God's called us to be, those things that he says these will be the top priorities, and those are what we call the core values. So we started a while back, I guess four or five weeks ago now, and we said the first one was going to be, anyone remember? Intimacy with God. That's right, intimacy with God. And we had a question for each core value so that we would be able to ask ourselves individually, are we, are we using this as a core value in our own individual life? And the question was, am I closer to God today than I was yesterday? And, and Sid did a great job telling us that intimacy with God is a journey. It doesn't happen all at once when you, when you pray to receive Jesus. It's a journey. It's a daily walk with Him, right? And as we grow closer to Him, we become more intimate with Him. And He wants our relationship with Him to be the most intimate relationship we have in all the world, even closer than our own spouse should our relationship with Jesus Christ be. Then the next core value was relational evangelism. Those are two really hard words to say right next to each other. Relational evangelism. But if you know Sid, this is at the heart of who he is. And, and we wanted people to say, relational evangelism is a core value in my life. I'm going to make relationships with other people to care for them, to show them who I am, so that I'll have the opportunity to share Christ's love with them. Jesus was a great example of this. He would, he would meet someone right where they were. He would heal them. He would meet their needs and then share the love of salvation with them, right? And so the question is, with whom am I building an intentional relationship to share Christ? And Sid will ask you this question, so you should be thinking about it so that you have an answer. Who in your neighborhood or the person that you work with or in your school, who are you building an intentional relationship so that you would have an opportunity to share Christ with that person? The next one was people matter. If people matter to God, then people need to matter to us. Right? Not just people that are in this room today either. People inside the church, people outside the church. Poor people, rich people, good-smelling people, stinky people. <laughs> people matter. And so we said, at Heritage, we're going to make an environment where people matter, where anyone that walks through the door, when anyone that is in Heritage goes outside the doors, that those relationships will happen naturally because people care about other people, not just themselves. People matter to God. Even when we were in our sinful state, we mattered to Him, and He loved us enough to send His Son. So people are going to matter to us at Heritage. Okay. Last week we talked about authentic community, and we said we didn't just choose one of those two words. So you can be authentic and not live in community because no one wants to be around you because you tell everybody the truth all the time and nobody likes to hear the truth. And you can also live in community and not be authentic. People, Church people are the best at that, right? We live in community and we don't want anybody to know the real us, so we just lie and exaggerate and, or else just try not to meet eye to eye with anyone while we're there on Sunday so we don't have to be authentic. But we said authentic community is going to be a core value, that you will live in authentic community with someone so that when you know that it's safe to be honest with someone, then you can begin to build a relationship 
as you're growing spiritually because you can deal with stuff. You can say to someone, this is the sin I'm struggling with because you know authentic community is safe. You can say, These are, this is my history, this is my past, and the person you tell that to won't flip out on you and not know how to handle it because authentic community is a core value. So the question is, am I in a small group for accountability, encouragement, and spiritual growth? And we said, if you're not in one, you need to be in one. Today, and it worked out just perfectly because we had the, the baby dedication this morning, we're going to be talking about the core value of family, okay, family. You would think that at a place called Heritage, family would be important, but it's even more than important. It's a core value. So just like all the rest of them, no matter how much we proclaim it from the stage or put it on signs and posters on the website, family is important to us. If it's not important to us all individually in our lives, then it's not actually a core value at Heritage. So each of these have to become a core value in us individually so that we can say it is truly a core value for heritage. So we like to say family is God's tool of reaching and discipling the next generation of believers. Do you believe that? Let me say it again because sometimes we don't actually act like this. Family is God's tool of reaching and discipling the next generation of believers. Sometimes we tend to think that that's the Sunday school teacher's job. Right? Or the pastor's job. You know, how many times have you heard, hey, uh, pastor, I think my, ch- my kid would like to talk about Jesus. Can you come over and talk to him? <laughs> no, you can. So family is God's tool. So what does that mean? We're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. You can go ahead and turn there. Sharon's already read it once today, but that's where we're going to start. And if I leave it out, I'll get done too early. So <laughs> we're going to do it again. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the first few books of the whole Bible. And we're going to be reading now the New Living Translation today. So the, the passage will be on the board if you don't have your Bible. But we do encourage you to bring your Bible on Sunday so you can read along, underline, make notes. I think that's a really good thing. This is what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all His decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You've read that before, right? One of the first verses I had to memorize as a kid was, you know, the Lord your God, right? And you must love Him with all your... Remember those? You remember that? If you grew up in church, this is one of the verses you memorized. Some of you may have a verse like this hanging on your wall at the house, right? Because it says, leave it on your doorpost. And so we actually take that literally and do it. You know, I think about putting it on your wrist. I think about the... The WWJD bracelets, remember those when they were cool? 
And I think about the bracelets we'll wear for the men's retreat to remind everybody, hey, men's retreat. It's, it's like saying, this is important enough that I'm going to actually put it on my wrist and tell people about this. And that's what he was saying. These things are important to tell your children so that they will tell their children. One of the cool things about this passage as I was getting ready for this. I looked at how many times it said, the Lord your God. Moses is saying this, right, to the people and how many times, I underlined five times that he said, the Lord your God told me to say this. So this just, this just wasn't an opinion or like, hey, this is a good idea. I think you ought to do this. He was reminding them, the person who told me to tell you this was the Lord your God. So this is very, very a, a important focal point for them. This would be a core value for the people of Israel, that they would pass these truths on to their children. This passage has a lot to do with priorities, would you agree? Priorities? Now, most of the time you don't want to come to church and have someone talk to you about priorities because, well, that's my priorities and I got my own thing figured out here. Don't mess with my priorities. But today I want to challenge you on some of those things, especially if you're the leader of a family. Having to make choices as to you know, what's most important and what's important, that's hard. It's hard for me. You know, there's lots of things to do. You ever do that? You bounce around, you do your to-do list, you go from one thing to another to another to another, and you find out at the end of the day you haven't left time for what was really the most important thing. Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, man, I really meant to do this because that was the most important thing, but I got caught up. Someone asked me to do this, and then I had to fix that, and then I had those things that I needed to do that I had to get done, and the day ran out, and I did not get to the thing that was most important. You know, sometimes we think that uh, all these other things, which are good things, are more important. Or at least we act that way. Because how many of you would say that family and passing your faith down is important? Okay, let me ask again. Everyone wasn't quite awake for that question. How many of you would say that family and passing your faith down to your kids is important? Okay. Just wanted to make sure because I was going to have to redo everything there. <laughs> but is it a priority? And that's the question. You see, uh, do you spend more time on your family and passing down your faith than you do planning your next vacation or worrying about how you've invested your 401k? Or, you know, whatever it is, you know, researching the next car that you're going to buy. What do you spend the most time thinking about? So you just said that, that family and raising a, a child who knows your faith is important, but is it a priority? You know, they tell us that even though we're spending more money than ever in history today on church buildings and Christian education and curriculum and things like that, that we're actually losing the battle when it comes to bringing in children to that next generation of faith. Did you know that? The numbers, I don't know, depending on who you read, somewhere between 75 and 80% of kids who are grown up in the church leave the church completely by the time they're a sophomore in college. Now, these are church kids. Are you with me? Not kids who didn't grow up with church parents. These are church kids. Grow up going to Sunday school. Grow up going to fall festivals and youth camp and stuff like that. Disciple now. They got Christian parents. But for whatever reason, passing the faith down wasn't the top priority. And by the time that that kid is a sophomore in college, they've decided to go their own way. You know why? Because that faith wasn't their faith. 
They were just going along for the ride doing what mom and dad said. And mom and dad's faith never became the kids' faith. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, these days, you know, if I ask an adult, you know, what are you doing to make sure you pass down your faith to your child? Uh, Some answers that you might commonly hear are, well, I make sure my kid is where? In church every Sunday morning. Or I paid a lot of money for my kid to go to youth camp so that that youth kid could tell my kid about Jesus last summer. It cost me a fortune. You know, or, or I make sure that my kid is in, in church every time the door is open. That's what I heard when I was growing up. I'm a pastor's kid. You always had to be there no matter what. No matter what was going on, you had to be there. If it was a wedding, a funeral, or a church service, you had to be there if you were a church kid. Um, so those things, you know, maybe you send your kid to private school, and those things are good things. You should send your kid to whatever school you think. You should have your kid in church. But that does not make up for the responsibility you have as the family leader to pass on your faith to your children. Okay? I'm sorry if you thought that that was kind of like the easy way out, because I'm not going to make it be that easy on you. Turn with me to Psalm 78. We read a couple of verses earlier from the book of Psalms. Psalm is right about in the middle of your Bible. So just open right up to the middle and try to find chapter 78. You've probably seen this verse. We've used this over the last six and a half years many times at Heritage because we think it's very, very important. It says this, verse 4. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors who were stubborn and rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You know, this, this verse, you know this is true. If you tell your kids something enough, they're going to eventually tell their kids, right? Those of you who are grandparents, have you seen your kids tell their kids something you told them? Have you ever seen that? I used to think I really wasn't a lot like my dad until I had kids. And then I realized I was more like him than I thought. He used to always say this. He, you know, he told us lots of things. And I'm thankful to my dad and mom because of the faith that they left us. But one thing I remember him always saying had nothing to do about church. And he always told me, and I guess he had told me a lot because I didn't get it. But he said, Brian, first you do what you have to do. Then you do what you want to do. And, and I, I, I know that uh, I'm becoming like my dad because I told Braxton that the other day. Because he wanted to do something when we got home. I think he wanted to get his 50 swings in, you know. But I knew that, um, I knew he had homework. And I also know that my wife is a school teacher and thinks stuff like homework is important. And I knew, I knew that if she came home and he hadn't done his homework, he wouldn't get in trouble that I would. So I told him, I said, all right, let me just teach you something that Papa taught me. First, you got to do what you have to do. Then you can do what you want to do. So we did the homework first. But when you read this passage of Scripture, and he's telling them, remember the glorious works and the mighty wonders the Lord did in your life, and teach them to your children, okay? He's talking to the Israelite people here, God's chosen people, 
He said, remember the things that God did and tell them, about, tell them to your kids so that they'll in turn tell them to their kids. What were some of the things that this writer might have been thinking about? What had God done in the life of the Israelite people that they should remember? Freedom from slavery. Okay, what else? That's great. Fed them in the wilderness with manna, right? Provided just enough every single day for them. What else? Gave them the law, a way of making them right with God, right? Showing them His commands. What else? Parted the sea. Yeah, the Red Sea. Gave them the homeland, the promised land. Colton, you want to say something? A light at night to follow. Is that what you said? There were some pretty incredible things, okay? And, and he knew that going down the road, the people that had actually experienced them would die, right? And so then you'd have their kids, and they could say, well, mom and pop told me because they experienced it. But then they, they would die, and then it would be eventually a generation who was just telling their kids the stories they had heard. So he knew it was important to pass down these stories of faith. And just like for the Israelites... Those God stories, we talk about that a lot at Harry's, those are important in our lives, and those are the things we need to tell our kids. Now, every night, we, we lay it down at night, and we read the Bible with our kids, and that's important. And they get to hear God's Word for themselves. But it's a total another thing also to sit around the dinner table and to tell our children about when God provided for Brooke and I when we moved back to Heritage to start a church, and we didn't know if we would have income. I always remember the story of Sid and Meredith. They would sit around the dinner table with their kids, and anytime we got a support check in for Heritage, they would put it in the middle of the table and pray and thank God for providing. It was like the manna. And because we want our kids to remember the faith that it took to do the, some of the things that we've done. I want my kids to remember, and Brooke and I talk about how much we should be honest with our kids about how we were when we were you know, teenagers and stuff. But I do want to be able to say to my kids, you know, this is the guy that I once was. And then Jesus came in and completely changed my life. I want to tell them those personal stories. Are you with me? What are some of the things that you would tell your kid? You didn't know I was going to call on you. I wasn't planning on that, but I think I will. What are some of those things that you needed to be remembering to tell your kids so that they'll tell their kids to pass on your faith. Is there anything that's happened in your life that was a, a big-time God story? Just real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So your own personal experience and struggles with sin. That's, that's fantastic. Sometimes we're worried about telling our kids some of the truth because we want them to think we're perfect, which is silly because as soon as they turn into adults, they realize we were just lying to them because they, they know we weren't perfect. Well, who else? Who's got a God story that they need to be remembering? Yeah, Debbie. So God saved your life before you were even born. goes back to that scripture we read earlier, how he wove us together in our mother's womb. What else? That's great. What else? Yeah, Billy Bob. I tried to talk to Colton 
That's great. See, if you're a Christian, we have these stories. It doesn't take you long to think back about through the things, the times that God provided for us, or He's healed us, or, or He's done something that was completely miraculous. He answered a very specific prayer. You know you have them. We need to share those stories with our children so that our faith will become their faith and that they'll pass that down. You want to say something else? This building is a pretty big act of God, right? And one day, those of us who experience this will be gone. Who will tell that story? You know, when I, I got to be honest, when I first found out that I was preaching this date and the core value was going to be family, I was a little nervous because I started to try to think about, okay, what's, that, what's my passage of Scripture going to be? What's that story in the Bible where there was this really great dad that did it all right? You know, that he made the money to provide for his family and, and he made sure that they had cool things and took care of them and protected them and, and did everything just right, didn't make any mistakes, you know, and, and he was real successful and, and made sure his kids had the coolest shoes so no one would make fun of them. You know, and made sure that his family could travel the world before they moved out of the house. You know, where is that dad? The problem is, what the Bible says is a successful family is not sometimes what we think of as being a successful family leader. Are you with me? Because some of those things I just said, I'm going to be honest here, those are some of the things that I think about. You know, I want to make sure that my kid has stuff, and I want to show them stuff, and be, and be able to do fun things, and, and I do, you know, and, and Proverbs says that a, a good man should leave an inheritance for his kids, and these things are sometimes good or important, or maybe whatever, but they're not the top priority, and what I found is, is that every single passage that I could find about, talked about family, it talked about this one thing, and that was passing your faith down to your next generation, that's what was the most important focal point for them. That was the core value. Are you with me? Now, this, this sometimes challenges some of the things because sometimes we work really, really hard to do some of this other stuff. And, and then the most important thing ends up getting left out because we don't have time or energy or, or, or whatever resources left to do what was most important. In Joshua chapter 24, you can turn there because this is a verse you should, should memorize or at least underline and highlight. A lot of you know this. This is another one of those verses that maybe you have it on your door when people come and maybe I've seen it on those door knockers or you put it above your door or, or you put it somewhere in the living room so that when guests come over they can see this kind of a verse, right? Joshua 24 verse 15, it says, But if you refuse to serve the Lord... Then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Have you ever heard that verse? Anybody got that hanging in their house anywhere? Yeah, a few people, right? And this is really bold because I like this because what he said was, he kind of took the initiative and said, this isn't just me but this is going to be my family. He went ahead and committed for his family and said, this is the way this is going to be in my home. He didn't just say, well, for me, I'll serve the Lord and hopefully my family will catch on. He said, no, for me and my home, we will serve the Lord. He went ahead and made that decision for everybody in his house. 
And then he took the initiative to be the leader in that family to pass on his faith so it would become their faith. And they would pass it on to their children and it would become their faith. That's a big commitment. And sometimes men, especially, uh, just to talk to you for a second, sometimes we're scared and nervous to make that kind of a commitment for our family because we're not really sure how to do that. But I think that these verses tell us quite clearly that that is to be the top priority, and it's okay for us to make that decision. Sometimes we don't want to make that decision in 2013 because we're afraid of what that means. Well, I can't make that decision for my kids. They need to make that decision for themselves. You know, I want them to grow up and make their own decision. I do want my kid to grow up and decide kind of where he wants to go to college, and eventually they're going to decide who they marry with my help. But, um, <laughs> but I'm going to start... I, and we've already started and said, but when it comes to what your belief is, when it comes to who your God is, this is the one true God. His name is Jesus. And for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm thankful when people do that. I'm thankful my dad did that. Um, you know, I, as I looked at that verse, and you can leave, leave it up there for a minute, Drew. You know, I thought, you know, we don't really struggle with golden gods you know we're not going to go out and worship some sort of golden cow out here and we're not trying to choose between that and jesus but there are other gods that we end up replacing with aren't there and so i thought you know that verse could read like this it could say but if you refuse to serve the lord choose today who you will serve would you prefer the god of money prestige or power or the god of popularity or success but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, the one true God. That heritage family is a core value. I mean, we knew from day one that this was going to be a place where there would be lots of children. And not just because we wanted it to be lots of energy and excitement and fun, but because we knew that God was asking us to create a place, an environment where it would be a focal point for families who wanted to commit to raising their children in a home of faith in Jesus Christ. That we would be a, a group of people that would help resource parents to do such a thing. To not just say, bring them to us and we'll take care of them and send them back to you and then they'll know Jesus. But they, we, they, we would be the ones that help resource you to do that one very thing. To say that family is going to be a core value in my home to say that my most important thing, the thing I am going to set aside time for, is to pass down my faith to my children. So the key question is, in this core value is, after God, is family my highest priority? We started this whole series out with intimacy with God, because we know that if you are not living in an intimate relationship with God, then making sure you pass down that faith to your children isn't going to be a priority, is it? But after God, is family my highest priority? And my hope is that this week, that this sermon would be somewhat of a challenge to us, because it has been for me to prepare for this, and that maybe you would go home and sit around the dinner table or lay in bed at night as your kids are going to bed and have some conversations like, how could we make sure that Passing down our faith to the children becomes a priority, the priority. What would need to change? Maybe we would start our day off differently or end it differently. Maybe our conversation would take a different direction 
at the dinner table or in the car on the way to practice or whatever it may be. Maybe it would change how we use some of our finances. Maybe it would change some of our plans for the future. But how can we make sure that family and passing down our faith to the next generation is going to be the number one priority in our home? How can we do that? So as we get ready to close today, and and we're going to finish in prayer, but what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to sort of make a commitment that if this is something that you say, yes, I'm going to make that decision for me and my family, for me and my home, we are going to serve the Lord, the one true God. I'm going to ask you to say, yes, that's for me. And I want you to look at your spouse and check with them because it's got to have to be a team. And then I want you to stand and say, that's us. We're going to commit to family being a core value in our home. And we want to be that person and be a member of Heritage that says that so that family can actually be a core value for us as a whole as well. Okay, So right now, if, that, if you're, you and your spouse are good with it, good job, even holding hands shows unity, then stand and I'm going to pray for us as we commit to making family the top priority in our homes this week. And I am excited to see what God does to honor these commitments and all the kids that are back here in these rooms and how he's going to play a huge role in their life. And I just wonder, I just wonder how he's going to use them to expand his kingdom because of parents who committed to passing down their faith to them being a core value. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your love, your grace, your mercy, especially for when we're messing up and we we make mistakes. Thank you that um, if we have not been living in a way in our homes that family was a priority, that you forgive us for it. And we ought not feel guilty and beat ourselves up, but we today we want to ask for forgiveness and move ahead in faith, Father. That you would teach us as leaders in our homes what it looks like to pass down our faith. That you would teach us how to be patient with our kids. That you would teach us and remind us about the things that you've done in our lives so that we would share those stories with the next generation to come. So that that story would not die out with us. And that we would move ahead charging forward into the next generation and the one following that and the one following that with kids and babies growing up who will be used for your kingdom perspective, your kingdom purposes. I thank you for those who have committed to stand this morning and say that that's going to be a core value in our home. And I pray for courage, for wisdom, and for strength to actually live that out for each one of us. We thank you for your gifts and your blessings. And we thank you most of all for Jesus and the price he paid for us on the cross. Would we never forget to pass these truths down? You are the one true God, our God, and today we commit to serving you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.